Hello from Yerushalayim and Beit Shemesh. It's been Yomin Rose and myself, Gedali Gutentag, with Mishpachat's home front, covering what's now the seventh week of Israel's biggest war in decades. Yomin, hello, good luck to you. Hello, Gedalia. Let's hope for more good news this week. Indeed. Let's open with Qatar and the story of what seems to be emerging as the hostage exchange and pending ceasefire that's in the open. So firstly, maybe slightly irreverent, but if you're like me from England and have been to a doctor, when you hear the term Qatar, the first thing you think of is the spelling C-A-T-A-R-R-H, a term for mucus buildup in the throat when you get a cold. That's what English doctors and English nurses use. And I don't believe it's widespread in the US, but it certainly describes the role of the Gulf Petro state over here as an intermediate between Israel and Hamas, an all-round troublemaker on a serious scale supporter of terror. So, Binyama, we're seeing an emerging hostage deal. It was in the beginning thought of as three days of ceasefire, now it's talked of as five in exchange for a group of 50 to 70 women and, and children hostages, similar number of security prisoners being swapped on the other side. We don't know the timetable, we don't know the shape, we don't indeed know whether this will go forward. But Bibi has added last night that, that even if there is a hostage deal, we will go after the heads of Hamas who are sheltering there. So let's just talk, Binyan, what are your thoughts about the emerging deal and about Qatar's role and indeed what the U.S. take on this is going to be? Dalia, this is the thorniest issue of the entire war because on one hand, as the press conference in the Kiria last night, once again, between Netanyahu and Yoav Gallant and Benny Gantz, all three of them were on the same page. They said the same thing. There are three goals in this war. One, to defeat Hamas. Two, to bring the hostages back. And three, to make sure that Israel has some sort of security responsibility or control over Gaza once this campaign is over. And the question is, which reporters kept posing, well, which one comes first? Which is the biggest priority? Uh, Benny Gantz said in a meeting prior to the news conference last night that bringing the hostages home comes first. Because he said, the war will take patience. The hostages don't have patience. We have to do something for them now. Netanyahu and Gallant didn't quite uh, come across so strong in the same way as Benny Gantz did. But, you know, they have to decide, are they ready to end the war prematurely? That's how I look at it. Because if you have a three-day ceasefire or certainly a five-day ceasefire, as far as I'm concerned, the war is over. And we can celebrate getting as many of the hostages back as we can. But if we don't get all of them, then there will still be hostages. And I don't see them going back and starting the fighting again so easily. Uh, the U.S. will beg them to uh, extend the ceasefire a couple more days so they can negotiate more hostages or certain Israeli interests will get cold feet. So this has to be a major, major consideration. And the whole debate last night of what comes first, uh, the hostages or the war effort, is a question that's going to be decided looking that way at least in the next couple or three days. But you know, this is what we were saying last week, I think we concluded on Thursday, by saying that there's two parallel tracks have been the hostages and the war effort. And there's been talk of them, you know, acting in parallel. But I think we said that there will come a stage at which the two clash because the need to bring hostages broke clashes with the need to carry on fighting. And here we are indeed. I think this is where this is starting to boil down to a choice between the two of them. But I do want to say, Benjamin, a couple of things. Number one, I don't think it's for nothing that over the last few days, Starting on Thursday, Friday, and now we see certainly by this morning that the army is operating much more in the south. And I think that's A, a sign of the fact that they're getting more and more control over the north. B, a sign because they think that the Hamas leadership is definitely down there by that stage, not under the Shifa hospital anymore. Uh, that seems clear. And also, I think crucially, this is a way to try and preempt 
uh, make sure that the strip is in, in international terms. And the way that people look at it, the Gaza Strip is not divided into an arbitrary division of North and South Gaza, and rather that they should begin a ceasefire, if there is indeed to be one, in a state of combat and deep into the south, the south of the Gaza Strip as well, so that it's just a case of, well, we're already fighting, and that the inevitability of just ending now, as you say, after five days is not so clear. But I think that, to me, is the strategy over there. But beyond, allow me to add one more thing about Qatar. Let's just discuss this for, for a moment. Qatar, the organization that sticks in the West's throat. Because remember that this is an extremely wealthy petro-state that's tried to burnish its image by investing massively in Western universities and Western sports teams and indeed whole industries. Um, and so the West and indeed the U.S. has a strong partnership with them. I think the U.S. Navy's fleet is actually based over there. So they are deeply intertwined with the U.S. And yet the big problem is that this is an organization that totally supports Hamas. So what do we make of this? I was listening to our colleague, Israel Yoskovich, who's editor of Sister Hebrew Edition. He's got a podcast in which he interviewed a former general called Yigal Karmon, who's the head of memory, which readers or listeners may be aware has produced and translates a lot of the material coming out from the Arab world. And occasionally you see, for example, they were the one who translated the interview with their Hamas head recently. And what Yigal Karman was basically saying was that it's been a choice on behalf of Bibi and his government over the last 10 years to engage with Qatar as a legitimate actor. If they wanted to go with Hamas, they could have engaged with Egypt. They have allowed them a role to transfer money to Hamas to build them up for one reason or another. And that has been a choice. And he says part of that choice has been instead of shutting down Al Jazeera, as was mooted in the last few weeks, they have kept going. And so he is very, very heavily strongly criticizing Bibi and saying, no, it's been a choice, it's been a disastrous choice, and there should be no more engagement with that. If we want a way of communicating with Hamas, it should be Egypt. Yaman, what's your take on all that? I'd say that since Hamas provides much more money, or shall we say almost all the money to Hamas, and Egypt just facilitates transfer of goods, that Hamas is much more dependent upon Qatar than Egypt, and therefore Qatar has a way of putting on pressure. But I would partially agree with the Yigal Carmon in that this is a choice that the Netanyahu government has made. But I would say that you have to take a look at the tactics. Uh, for example, Al Jazeera is a Qatar-based journalistic agency, and they're responsible for a lot of the incitement in the Arab world in the reporting against Israel. So the question is, how do you bring Qatar to heal? We were talking about the throne before, I'm going to talk about bringing them to heal. So how do you bring them to heel? Do you basically give in and say, we won't close down Al Jazeera and then they'll be nicer to us? Or do you say, well, we're going to close down Al Jazeera and that'll put pressure on them. So it could be sometimes that tactic works better than compromising it. Just if there's any critique that I've had about the Netanyahu government over the years, it's that, that they're too quick to compromise and not strong enough when it comes to applying the pressure. Another factor I'd like to mention is that Khaled Mashal, who is an exiled Hamas member, and Ismail Haniya and Abu Marzouk are people who are holed up in Qatar right now. They've got a lot of criticism about staying living in luxury. Yeah, living in fancy hotels while their brothers in Gaza are having their houses reduced to rubble. And last night at the news conference, Gantz and Netanyahu and Gallant were asked whether the Hamas leaders who are stationed in Qatar are targets. And they didn't answer directly, but the indication was that they're all dead men. Now, I highly doubt that Israel would try to pull off an assassination against those people on Qatari soil. 
especially Khaled Mashal. If we recall, back in 1997, Israel tried to assassinate Khaled Mashal on the streets in Amman, and not only did it backfire, they succeeded in poisoning him and not killing him, but they had to send him the antidote, otherwise King Hussein was going to break relations with Israel, and this was shortly after Israel and Jordan signed a peace treaty. And Netanyahu was prime minister at the time, so the chances that uh, he would try to repeat, I wouldn't necessarily the same mistake, but uh, to try to do the same thing that backfired 25 years ago is highly unlikely. So while those Hamas members in Qatar might be dead men, I think they uh, have a little bit longer to live at least. Uh, as long as they're in Qatar, they're safe. And I do want to add, I think, one important point from last night, where one of the reporters asked Defense Minister Yoav Galan whether he would consider uh, sending some of the Milawin people home so that they can go back to work and get the economy going. Interesting question. And Galan said that uh, just the day before, he met with the Bank of Israel governor, Amir Yaron. And Yaron told him that the most important goal right now is to win the war and that the way to strengthen Israel's economy and to get it back on track after the war is to win the war. So someone like Amir Yaron, who's no righty, told Yoav Galan that keep the men in Milouim on duty and keep them in battle so that we can win and later on get the economy going again. I think that's a you know, strong endorsement for keeping the battle going. But again, if there is a hostage deal, I think it's really unlikely that the war is going to continue, certainly not in the same form and fashion in which we've seen. On that note, we've had a kind of on and off tradition here, bright spots. I don't have anything bright, but I just want to share something more thoughtful, which is I think we've all been used to checking and dreading checking our updates because every day there's two or three soldiers who didn't make it and were killed in battle. And I just see one this morning that there was a name of a young paratrooper, 21 year old, who was killed over Shabbos in, in Gaza. And he was just from uh, down the road over here in Armabit Chemish, or in Beit Chemish. And in fact, he came from Manchester, back from where I come from. And it just brought home to me the sense that as you hear these losses, Day after day, the sense has become dulled. I think most of us probably do the same. We scan and we think, could it be? Is it someone I know? Is it some? And if it's not someone we know, then it's few. Then it's, as it were, a sense of relief, which is natural. But I think wrong, obviously, it's on so many levels. Because it, it reminds me of the story, a well-known story of the great Magadha of Shonan Shradron told about his famous Moishala story about the mother who comes, runs home, and she hears uh, a child crying and the whole uproar. And she thinks it's her little Moishala. And then he, she comes over and says, no, it's someone else's emotional. And she feels a sense of relief. And that's just human nature. And yet when these things do come more close to home, we realize that no, these are somebody's neighbors or relatives. And the fact that so many have died already doesn't make a difference. It's all of our tragedy as well. And that's obviously something intellectually aware of, but sometimes it needs that type of closer to home to bring that home as well. So maybe this war will be over in victory soon. And we should have no more of these sorrows. Benjamin. Amen. Oh, 